Welcome to the Eastridge Church South Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Thank you for standing for the Word of God. And we are in the series on Revelation. As Cam said, we, we, we're talking today. We're in week six, seven. We're not sure what we're in, but we're in it. And uh, we're excited about it. And it's been, it's been interesting. Uh, we've gotten great responses from everybody. And it has led to a lot of discussion from people, which is great. And super excited and excited about today. And as I've prepared the messages, I've tried to... Um, think of different ways to explain uh, the deciphering of, uh, of Revelation, that we're deciphering uh, what's going on in the Scripture because when you look at it, it's a lot of imagery, and we, we've used this example that John is looking in windows that God is speaking to him, angels are speaking to him, and, and he's looking at windows of things that are happening. Now, uh, I don't know if you've ever had to try to decipher what someone is saying. Sometimes that is very difficult. I was at the dump, the Newton County uh, uh, Convenience Center, a couple weeks ago, and uh, I was there, and somebody from the church from the East Campus saw me there, and they came up to me and said, can I put some trash on your truck? And I said, no. I mean, I was like, I, was, I thought they were kidding. I didn't know what they were talking about. I said, no, I don't, I don't think we're going to do that today. And... Uh, and they said, well, I'm trying to clean out my dad's house. And, and what are you doing today? I said, so what are you doing? I'm thinking, not that. Uh, I mean, I call myself a servant, but that's not what I've got on tap for today. As my mind's going. So my mind's racing and, and everything. And then she's, and she said, I said, well, I'm going out of town tomorrow. I've got some things I've got to do today. I, I can't help you go to your dad's house. I don't need you to go to my dad's house. What I really need is I need your tag on your truck. You've got it. You know what I'm saying? You need my, because you've got to have a tag to dump your trash. You've got it. She said, I don't have my tag. Don't let me know. I get it. And sometimes when we're trying to decipher what's going on, we really do have to do that. Now, Leslie and I have been married almost 34 years. And here, it's been great. It has been great. We've had seasons uh, of up and down, but it is overall great. But here's the truth. She and I communicate totally different. Totally different. Totally different. And I've asked her to be able to share this. So I'm not in trouble, y'all, Okay. I have full approval. This is Leslie approved, all right? I communicate like this. I communicate like this from a point A to point B. I just go straight like that. If you know me, I'm very direct. I communicate just like that. It doesn't make it better. That's just how I communicate, just like that. I communicate in a linear way, grammatically. The pronoun is always referring back to the antecedent. If you know anything about grammar, that's what it does. If you say they, it means Joe because I said Joe last. That's how I communicate. Now, Leslie doesn't communicate that way. She's great. Now, if you need her to pray for you, choose her over me. I'm just telling you. You need someone to encourage you, choose her over me. But if you need somebody to communicate in a straight line, it's just usually not going to happen like that. And so sometimes she'll be talking and she'll say they, and I'm like, now, who is they? Who, who is they? And she'll say this happened and everything. Like that. And, and, we'll just, and look, we, we've made it work for 34 years. And here's what you're going to see today. In Revelation 12, you're going to be asking, who is they? Who is he talking about? What in the world is this scripture about? And we have to spend some time deciphering. So here's what I want you to do. This is what you need to do. You need to get Revelation 12 on your phone 
or you need to grab a Bible, or you're going to be lost today. I never. This is not how I usually introduce messages, but I'm trying to help you out so that you don't sit here for 30 minutes and go, what in the world was that? So you're going to look at it, you're going to open up to Revelation 12, or you're going to get it on your phone, Revelation 12. The second thing, you've got homework today. You've got homework. And I'm going to ask you to make a commitment. Even if you're a guest, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to do something. And if you're a guest, and you, you may never see me again, so you can raise your hand and whatever, you know, and I won't know. But here's what I want you to do. There's a video called Sheep Among Wolves. It's about the persecuted church in the Middle East. It's an hour long. It's on YouTube. I'm asking you... Because we're talking about Revelation where, where John is writing to a persecuted church. And we know nothing about that. We think we do. And so here's what I'm asking. And then I'm not going to ask anybody to close their eyes and every head bowed. Who will watch that this week with me? Persecuted church. One hour of your life. Sheep among wolves. That you're going to watch it. You're going to get a picture of, and I would not recommend you watching it with little kids. You're going to get a picture of what it's like to be part of a persecuted church. I say all that because it's going to help frame your mind of what John is talking about. Sometimes the reason why we don't understand who they is, is we're not being persecuted. It doesn't make any sense at all what's going on. And so today what we're talking about, we're talking about waking up. We're talking about waking up because here's what's going on. Because we're not persecuted, because we're not persecuted, the window that we see is kind of an intermission to all the other windows, kind of intermission where John is just simply writing to the church to wake up, to wake up to what's going on, that there's this cosmic battle that's going on, that what we see may not really be real, but what's real may be what we're not really seeing, that we're not seeing in the window that God has because of our busyness, because of our luxury, because of, of our comfort, that we're maybe not seeing the battle that is going on in our lives, the spiritual battle. Paul wrote in Ephesians, he says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers of this dark world, that there's a battle going on. And if you're a guest today, you're thinking, I've lost it. You're thinking, this guy is crazy. But I'm telling you, that's what the Word of God teaches, that there's a supernatural realm that is out there that a lot of times we ignore because we're not being persecuted, because we're just simply being, if you want to know what's happening, is the enemy has simply lulled us to sleep. That he's given us a passing and said, shh, go back to sleep. Go back to your comfort. Watch some TikTok videos. Go get something to eat. We just kind of go back to sleep. And John's writing this letter to the churches there for us with this call of wake up. And so Ashley read in, in, in Revelation 12, and if you've got your Bibles and you follow along with me, he says, I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. Now, let me, uh, the, wouldn't all the events in heaven be great? But this one must have stood out because it's an event of great significance. And I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Who is this woman? Sign one. We're going to see two signs and it's going to lead to 
a scheme that the enemy is using. Two signs. The first is this, sign one, this woman is Mary. It's Mary. That this picture is the picture of Mary about to give birth, the picture of Mary and Jesus. But it is also the sign of the people of God because it says that this woman, and again, if you've got to cut through the imagery, hang with me here, who is clothed with the sun and the moon beneath her feet and the 12 stars on her head, that we get this reference back to Genesis. Now, you heard us say that Revelation is nothing new. It is just repackaged in a different way. And so we go to Genesis here, where Joseph has a dream. And just to to show you that, that it is Mary, but it's also the 12 tribes of Israel. It is also a picture of the church. Joseph had a, a, another dream. And again, he told his brothers about, about it. Listen, I've had another dream, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed before me. They were the people of Israel. They were the leaders of Israel. They were the 12 tribes of Israel. He made up, there was 11, he made up 12. Well, this scripture in Revelation says that the 12 tribes, talking about the people of God in the Old Testament, the tribes of Israel. In the New Testament, the church that John is writing to the church, this sign, who's who's he writing to? The church of what's going on, that we need to wake up and he's telling us to get ready. Something's coming. Sign two it's the dragon, the devil, Satan. Again, if you're a guest, you're thinking, oh, here we go. He's talking about the devil, talking about Satan. We've heard about this red man, red suit, you know what I'm saying? Ooh, everything like that. But we will see that it is exactly who he is. And sometimes because we don't take him seriously, we're not aware of what he's trying to do. In Revelation 12, 2, he says, she was pregnant and she cried out because of her labor pains and agony of giving birth. And then in verse 3, he says, then I went in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. His tail swept away one third of the stars in the sky and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth. He was ready to devour her as the baby was born. Now, this is what was going on as Jesus was born. Now, we get a different picture, don't we? We have a different image. Like We, we met uh, a couple of weeks ago. We've been meeting for the last couple of weeks uh, talking about Christmas Eve, what Christmas Eve is going to look like, planning out the Christmas Eve service because we, we want it to be good and everything like that. And, and, and I, you know, if you know me, my, 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 my go-to for Christmas Eve is, is lighting the candles at the end and everybody singing Silent Night. Is anybody like that with me? I love that part. That's, I mean, that's Christmas Eve to me. And, and there was some thought talking about when we do that, and, and, and sometimes the wax gets on the seats, and I said, I don't care. And if you look at some of the seats, it's got wax on it. That's from Christmas Eve. Hey, we, we try to get it off, but it stains it, and it just is what it is. But it's worth it to us. But then we get this totally different picture of what was going on. That, it, yes, it was silent night, holy night. It was this 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 serene moment, but this battle was going on behind the scenes. That when Jesus was about to be born, that the enemy was there, Satan was there, and he wanted to prey upon Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus. And I want to bring up just a couple of thoughts here. And again, this is like a 
a dual prophecy, a, a tri-prophecy, like you're reading in, you're trying to just cut through some of the stuff and figure out who were they talking about. And I'll go back to the very beginning. Again, Revelation is not anything new. It is a repackaging. And so I'm going to walk through some verses with you. The first is this. This goes back to the very beginning. When Adam and Eve sinned, God stated, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman. He's speaking about Satan. And between your offspring and her offspring, and he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And he just talked about this battle that was going on. And he specifically calls out the woman who also represents the church, represents the people of God. That there is this battle, that there is this hostility between us and the enemy. That there's something going on behind the scenes. That this whole thought of silent night, holy night. There was way more going on there. As a matter of fact, Eugene Peterson says that Jesus' birth not only excites wonder, he said it excites more than wonder, it excites evil. That when Jesus came on the scene, the evil rose up. And God doesn't work in a linear time frame. And it's still up. You wonder why there's evil in the world? It's because we have an enemy. And we read, we actually read that there was a battle in heaven, this cosmic battle in heaven, that there was this war over who's going to be the champion. God had won the battle, and the enemy was thrown down to the earth. And I know it sounds crazy, but that's what's going on. And we feel the ramifications of that even now. We see evil, and we go, why is this happening? What in the world? Where is God in this? And he's here, but evil is here. And it's among us. And then we look at some imagery in 12:17. It says, And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children, who are us, all who keep the commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Well, I think sometimes we forget that. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2.11, which is where I really want us to get, but I feel like I had to spend some time to get there. He writes this, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. All right, so I want to stop. Is everybody with me? That there's an enemy, there's a war going on, that we're part of it. Listen, if you're not a believer, you're part of it. You're in it. You're part of it. You're in it. And Satan has some schemes. And, and here's where, the, where John writes in Revelation. He's going to address three schemes here. Took a while to cut through the imagery. What is, where is he going? What is he saying? Who is it? Who is it? It's the church. He's talking to the church. Yeah, he's talking about Mary. He's talking to the church. He's talking about this is going on, that, that, that we have this enemy. We're talking about everything like that. This is what's going on in the background, leading us to this one moment that you and I need to wake up to Satan's schemes. And I'm going to walk through three of them here. I know you're going, Gary, couldn't you just start there? I could have. But I felt like I'd have been cheating the process. The first is this, accusations. 
Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last. Salvation and power. And the kingdom of our God. And the authority of His Christ. And then hear this line right here. For the accusers of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth. The one who accuses them before God day and night. Have you ever had anybody accuse you of something? Man, that's, that's rough, isn't it? This past week, I got a text from somebody in the church, somebody I'm friends with, and it, founded, it sounded really accusatory. It did. It just sounded really accusatory. I've talked to them. We're good. And you, you may have had somebody, you ever had somebody accuse you of something? You didn't feel like you did anything? Didn't do anything that accused me of something? And it just kind of stings a little bit. But here's the funny part about that. The Scripture says Satan is accusing you and I all the time. But we're not aware of it. He's the accuser. He accuses us. He wants us to, he wants to label us. I want to label you. Loser. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're a sinner. You may not even be saved. God doesn't love you. God's not, he's not really working for your good. That's everybody else. He's holding back on you. He's not helping. He's not helping you. He doesn't love you. And these things go through our mind and, and we have all these accusations. As a matter of fact, a lot of the accusations come from words that have, or, or acts that have wounded us in the past. These words, we all have grown up in a, in a family, then you had probably, most of you had good parents, and maybe you didn't have so, uh, great parents, but they probably intended well, maybe they didn't know what they're doing. But the whole thing, it's left us all with some wounds. Some wound. We've all got some kind of wounds, and so when things come up, we just naturally have this thing where we go to this, this way of thinking, these accusations. And I'll just go ahead and tell you mine. I grew up in an angry household, and, and so in some ways, it has made me angry. I'm not putting that on them, that, that I, I've talked to you about dealing with anger. But here's, here's the, the thought process I have. I think people are angry at me because I grew up that way. I was telling the guys in my D group. I was telling the guys right here. I was preaching here a couple I, this past month, and somebody got up in the middle of the service, and immediately this is what I thought. They're angry at me. They don't like what I'm preaching. And I'm talking to y'all. I didn't stop preaching. I'm talking to y'all about having this. I'm having a conversation in my head. I know you're going, Gary, you need to go to a counselor. I do. And I did this summer. I did. I did this summer. Because I was dealing with some stuff. And I'll tell you the other thing I was dealing with is that because of the pandemic, the church isn't what it was numerically. And this was eating my lunch in, inside. And so I went to a counselor to help me process some thoughts. Here's the thing. The whole world's falling apart, and I feel like the church isn't growing, and it's my fault. Is everybody with me on this? And you know where I got that thought? From the accuser. None of y'all told me that. To, not to my face. None of y'all told me that. It's your fault, Gary, that, we're not, we're not, that we lost some people during the pandemic. It's all your fault. And Leslie and I have conversations, and she's so good. She goes, Gary, they're not mad at you. They're not mad at you. Gary, it's not your fault. But here's the thing, and we had this accuser that's constantly berating us that we do not measure up. And I'm going to use a word you don't, that you don't want to hear, but this is what he's going to say. You suck. That's what he's going to say to you. As a parent, as a husband, as a wife, as a father of Jesus, you stink. I agree. We're getting there, Rick. I appreciate it. And he's going to keep doing it over and over again until you quit letting him label you. 
God defines who you and I are. His word defines who you and I are. And you know what he says? He says you're loved unconditionally. You know what he says? That you're forgiven of everything. He says that you're going to win. We're reading Revelation because God wanted us to know. He, he got a whole book to tell us one thing, that we are winners, that we win in spite of all these other things, that we win. So the first scheme is accusations. The second scheme is deceit. It says that the great dragon, the enemy serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world. I had a guy call me this weekend. He told me he hadn't been in church. He goes to the other campus. He and I Actually, I led him to the Lord. I didn't know he. I knew he, I didn't know he was going. I didn't know he wasn't going. He said I hadn't been going. He said first it was COVID. He said now it's just laziness. So we haven't been going. And I said to him, "Well, it sounds like the enemy has you exactly where he wants you." And I wonder why nobody wants to come to me for counseling. <laughs> And he said, I agree. And the truth is, the enemy's always trying to deceive us. He's trying to deceive us into believing that what we do really doesn't matter. You don't have to go to church. You don't need to read your Bible. You don't, and I'll just say it, you don't need to give. You don't need to sacrifice. No, you don't need to do those things. Shh. Put the pass in. You don't need to do those things. Just go back to sleep. Watch your TikTok. Get your Starbucks. And he's really good at it. And I wonder if we're honest today, if we hadn't bought into it. That the things about God are not true, or maybe I read what it says in His Word, but it really doesn't. Man, I don't know about all that anymore. You know, loving God's not going to send people to hell. I don't know. I just in this whole deceit for that. You know, there's many ways that God didn't really mean that. But you don't really have to just have Jesus. You could be a good person. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I don't, I don't need the church. And we just have all these things. You just deceive. Just, hey, go back. Go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. Don't wake up. Don't wake up and see yourself as you really are. Don't wake up and really see that you and I are desperate for Jesus Christ. Desperate. That if you cut through all the imagery of your life, That's the one thing you really need. I started to think about my life. Here's the truth. I do suck. I do. I'm not good at anything. By myself, I'm not. I'm just being honest. By myself, I'm selfish. By myself, I'm not a good husband. By myself, I'm not a good parent. I'm not a good person. You, you will go, Gary, no, I'm, I'm telling you. Look, I know me. 
I know who I was. And I know the one thing that has stood by me in the midst of it. His name is Jesus Christ. And he stood by me. And when I wasn't enough, he was enough. And he is enough. And you cut through the deceit of, of all these things that uh, I need. I need him. I need him more than anything. And the truth is, I, I make that statement about the enemy has you right where he wants. Sometimes he has me right where he wants me. But you know what? Jesus Christ is so powerful that he snatches me out. Come back to your senses. Wake up. See me for who I am, Gary. See your need for me. That's what John is writing to the church saying, wake up. You need Jesus. The enemy's going to try to deceive you. He's going to try to pull the wool over your eyes, try to get you distracted, running after, chasing after so many things. But at the end of the day, you need Christ. You need Jesus. Which leads me to the last one. Death. I'm going to run through some scriptures here. John writes, Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. And he's just talking about just how powerful this dragon is. Ten horns. Just, just, he's just, but then look at the next scripture. And they have defeated him. You and I and Jesus Christ, they have defeated him. Now, Jesus won it. We're, just, we're along for the ride. By the blood of the Lamb, by what he did on the cross, and by their testimony, by what Christ has done in us, by the blood of the Lamb, the enemy is defeated, and by the power of our testimony, what Christ has done in us, yeah, yeah, Jesus Christ is the answer, that, that he is who he says he is, and I have this testimony of who he is in my life. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. That's what Revelation's about. That not even death, the scheme of the enemy that, that we would be afraid to die, that not even death could defeat us. One of the things I love about going to celebrate recovery is every other week, there's a testimony. They do a teaching one week. This happens on Thursday nights at the East Campus. People for hurt with hurts, habits, and hangups. That they do a teaching on one, one night. And then the following Thursday, there's a testimony of what God has done in somebody's life. How they have overcome through the power of Jesus Christ. Look, if you got nothing to do on Thursday night, or if you have everything to do on Thursday night, I will tell you this. You go and hear somebody tell how they fought their addiction, they fought their hurts, they fought their habits, they fought their hangups, and have overcome. It is inspiring. And we have that same testimony. In Hebrews 2, 14 through 15, he says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. Talking about who Jesus is and what he did, he had the, the God became man, for only as a human could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as if, uh, slaves of the fear of dying. That we don't even have to fear death, y'all. And John's writing us to wake up. Wake up to the Son of God. Wake up to the Word of God. Read His Word. See that He is who He says He is.
And I want to go back to this last verse as I close out. And they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and their testimony. It's time for us to fight. It's time for us to wake up and fight. I love a good fight, don't you? I do. I love I love to watch a good fight. And I, I, the, it's time for us to fight. That we cut through all the imagery and we see the call of God. That the enemy is out there and he's working, but he's been defeated. As Rick said, he's been defeated. He's been cast down. That we have the victory in Christ, but we still have to fight. I want you to watch that video of your brothers and sisters in the Middle East. And I pray that you're inspired to fight. And when I say fight, I'm talking about love. I'm talking about forgive. I'm talking about to stand on the Word of God and His truth. I'm talking about obey. I'm talking about to realize that, that there's more going on than you're going to work on Monday morning and you're working five days a week and then you're going to have the weekend again. There's something else going on. There's a galactic cosmic battle. And we're part of it. And it's time for us to wake up, put the passy down. Be who God's called you to be. I'm praying that you do. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We believe your word is true. Lord, we know we have an enemy, but we know that you have defeated him. Lord, I pray for the person here today that's hearing that for the first time. And as bizarre as it sounds, I pray that truth is a hook that they can hold on to today. They, 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 just, they may understand it, but they say, you know what? I believe it's true. I've seen it in my life. There's an enemy. Lord, I pray they hold on to the truth. I pray all of us hold on to the truth that you have won the victory. What you did on the cross, the testimony of who you are in our lives, that you are still working in us. We have to stand and fight. We have to wake up. And I pray that we do. Father, I pray for our brothers and sisters in the Middle East. I pray, Lord, I'm just super grateful for their boldness to even want to be a follower of Christ there. I pray for protection for the church there. I pray that you would draw more and more people to you. Lord, I pray that we would see ourselves part of this same struggle. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church/give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.